from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 109. Today's show is brought to you by Cricket and FreshBooks. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico Vitici. Buonasera, Mike. And can you, Federico, do you hear a sound? Like a... Like, like a... a, like a would you say like a hissing sound? Some kind of like hissing or fizzing. I think so. I'm I not sure where it's coming from. I can't work out what it is, but we'll uh, maybe we'll find out later. Hi, Stephen Hackett. Welcome to the show. You're very clever. <laughs> <laughs> Are you proud of yourself right now? Yeah, we're going to talk about that later on. Hissgate. We have uh, the his the his father with us today, <laughs> and we'll be talking about that a little later on in the show. So. Something to look forward to. But before you became the father of hissing, you were the father of follow-up for this show. So would you like to begin that? Yes. Um, <laughs> Begrudgingly, we, I will. <laughs> uh, so we want to talk about... We've talked about Apple Music and ads in the past. So we want to talk about this new uh, Apple Music ad that debuted, I guess, yesterday or a couple of days ago. That I think, at least, other than the Cookie Monster Siri 1... Is like the only time I've actually laughed out loud at an Apple ad in a long time. Um, Mike, do you want to walk people through what the like what the setup is here? Yeah, it's basically James Corden um, of Carpool Karaoke, as you may know him. Uh, he is basically like given the job to pitch an ad to the Apple executives. So we've got Bazama St. John, Eddie Q, and uh, is it Jimmy Iovine? Yes. Jimmy, yep. right? So they're like in an office and Corden is pitching ideas to him and to the three of them. And they're all like super ridiculous, over the top, like insanely bold, like perfume advertising type things, right? Uh, like high concept stuff. And th- at the same time, the IP executives are like, no, we just want to tell people how great our service is. Blah, blah, blah. Like, so they get at, they're getting the message out. It's really good only because James Corden is incredible. Like yes. that's why this works because he is a genuinely hilarious person, um, and I really like that Apple are using him because he's kind of part of the team right now mm. uh, as an executive producer on Carpool Karaoke. Like uh, you know, I've I've heard some people like on Hello Internet, Gray and Brady couldn't understand why James Corden was there. He's there because he's in the club. Yeah, and it's kind of strange when you consider that. According to the rumors, uh, James won't be hosting the Carpool Karaoke on, on Apple Music. Yeah, which is uh, so know, sad. Yeah, I mean they're 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 featuring James at the WWDC, uh, actually not the iPhone keynote, and this new ad, and it's not gonna be on the new series, which is kind of strange. Also sad, but maybe they've found a good replacement. I don't know. You'd hope so, but yeah, he's like an executive producer or something on the project. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's one ad that they've got out, which is a really good one. And Federico, there's another ad that you sent there's... us this morning that you're extremely unhappy about. So we're going from good to bad here. I mean, well, Apple launched these uh, three new commercials for the Watch Series 2 and the iPhone 7. There's uh, The one for the Series 2 is very good. It's showcasing the new sport and fitness features. Uh, and it's all right. It's very nice. Uh, the music is okay. There's the iPhone 7 one, which is a minute long, and it shows this guy going like skating at night and taking pictures and doing stuff with the iPhone at night because it's got a low light camera and in fact the very last uh, tagline on the on the video is low light photography with iPhone 7 and then there's the the rain one which is supposed to showcase the new water roofing water resistant feature and it's com- it's just so unrealistic and there's so many issues with this commercial and I tweeted it this morning and I got a bunch of replies on Twitter so it's showing this person 
with his dog in a, what assume some kind of garage or shed. And it, there's like a thunderstorm outside, like the world is ending. There's like big thunders, raining, you know, it's very dark. Uh, and this guy thinks it's okay because and his roof is leaking, by the way, there's a bucket filled with water. <laughs> and he thinks, you know, the dog is looking at him like, come on, man, what, what do you want to do? And he thinks, <laughs> he thinks, you know what? I'm just going to go for a bike ride <laughs> right now yep. with these thunders up in the hills. I'm going to go with for a bike ride because I got an iPhone 7 and it's water resistant. So, hey, I won't die. The iPhone won't die. So, you know, it's okay. And it's just so unrealistic with that kind of weather. For this person to think, it's all right, I want to bike ride myself into oblivion because I got an iPhone 7. <laughs> I just don't get it. It's No one who has that nice of a bike, who's taking that sort of care of it, is going to go out and ride in the rain, period. Let alone this whole, like, this thunderstorm looks like the end of the world. <laughs> My favorite part I, of this ad is you've got the water-resistant iPhone 7. Practically magic. Yes. Liquid damage not covered under warranty. <laughs> it's like, mm. okay. Like, yeah, I love it. I just really love that. It's like, hey, you can attach a bike to your, a yeah, phone to your bike in the rain, but if it breaks, don't come see us. Like, I, yeah. I really like that. That just makes me laugh a lot. Could have been so many different scenarios. Like, I gotta go pick up the kids at school, but it's raining and it doesn't matter. Uh, I need to go to work and it's raining, but I am on this very important call mm-hmm. and I, I can still make the phone call. But the show, this person, like, against all good judgments, is going for a bike ride with thunders in the background and the dog looking at him with a very sad face. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, this is like, in, if you wanna do a silly ad for your water resistance, Samsung, they nailed it. The champagne yes. one, where the guys yep. just, where the, the rapper's pouring champagne on his phone. That was perfect. If you want to do something out of this world, go for that, right? <laughs> but uh, riding around on a bicycle in a thunderstorm, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, it's not relatable to people, so I don't know why you did it. With the dog making a sad face, I mean, look at the dog. It's like, it's super upset. I don't know. Like, the champagne one is even less relatable, but it's funny, it's entertaining, like this one, they're like trying to paint a real life picture, right? And it just it just doesn't work for me. Because so, so the other ads are fantastic. This one, yeah. I completely agree with you. They should have done something like you got caught in a rainstorm. Yeah. And you're worried your phone's not going to work, but it works. Or someone jumps in a swimming pool and it's fine. Like that's the sort of stuff. Yeah. Show people how they dro- break their phones in real life. Show somebody dropping a phone in a toilet. Like make it funny. Like these are the things that we actually care about. Like show us that stuff. Or you could go romantic and show like a couple having a picnic and suddenly it starts raining and it doesn't matter. Everybody's laughing because the iPhone is... All the sprinklers go off. You know, exactly. That, that kind of real life situation. But not a person risking <laughs> his life for a bike ride. Just I call mean, us. <laughs> like, just call us. Like, give us a call on Skype. You yeah. can join in the call whenever you want and we'll just we'll tell you what to do. Bring in Jimmy and James and, you know, uh, all the Apple Music team and we'll figure something out. Hey, Federico, I have a question for you. Okay. Where are all the subscription apps? See, this is interesting because I've been keeping an eye on the new subscription stuff in iTunes Connect, as well as the App Store ads uh, that Apple said were launching this fall. So the two things that I still cannot quite figure out, because with the launch of iOS 10, it seems like all of the ads from the App Store are gone. So they used to be there in the beta stage, and now they're not available anymore. Apple says it's launching this fall, so we're still waiting. And also subscriptions uh, were supposed to be launching this fall. And from what I know, um, 
developers with previous existing sub- subscriptions were migrated to the new system in June. So mm-hmm. it's like they've already started counting against that, you know, all of the different rates that apply to subscribers, subscribers after a while. Uh, but I haven't found or haven't been pitched any new like productivity app with iTunes, the new iTunes Connect subscriptions. So I don't know. Maybe Apple is waiting for a few more details because uh, Phil Schiller mentioned uh, at the talk show, we have the legal team working to figure out some details for international app stores where the rules for subscriptions are different. So maybe that's the holdup. I don't know. It's like we were expecting all of the apps that we use to go to right. subscription, but I haven't seen anything. Like no. I know the Overcast just kind of changed, Marco changed the model a little bit, but I don't think it's anything like what we were expecting. He was already doing the patronage thing, but now it's like a different type of subscription, I think. Mm-hmm. But like I was expecting to be paying for OmniFocus by now. Yeah, that's still still not the case, Mike. I just wondered if you'd seen anything. Well, clearly no. not. You know, it's, I never have seen the ads, by the way. They weren't in the UK store, mm-hmm. even during the beta. The ads uh, were in the US app store during the beta, but now they're gone. And they were super bad, by the way, like... You'd mm-hmm. search for Twitter and Facebook and you get some scammy app selling you followers. I mean, and the, th- the theory behind that, though, is right, that it wasn't launched yet, so Twitter and Facebook sure. weren't buying the ads. Sure. But they're completely gone, and I saw quite a few people on Twitter say, hey, what happened to, to the App Store ads after iOS 10 launched? Maybe uh, it's like HomeKit last year, right? Like, hey, here's a thing, and then just don't hear about it for a year. It's like, here we go again. <laughs> Maybe that's what we got. <laughs> Pretend it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the Amazon Echo is coming to the UK. This is the greatest piece of follow-up ever. I'm so excited. Ever? I pre-ordered one. Yeah, ever. I pre-ordered so, it. Uh, let me understand. You went from being an Echo denier to How an Echo buyer. I ever buy- an Echo <laughs> denier? I just didn't want to do what you did and buy one through some shady eBay <laughs> thing. I've always said I wanted to do it, but like I wanted to wait until it was here because I wanted all of the features to be like, you know, I want to do the thing where you ask it the weather and it tells you because I know you can't really do that so easily. Like it takes, it's a bit weirder. Mm -hmm. So I was just waiting and waiting and waiting (laughs) for them to release it in the UK and they have. I knew that they would and they finally did it. So I got my pre-order in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got a £50 discount for being a Prime member on my pre-order, which is sweet. And it will be here next week, 28th. Next Next week, nice. So what do you plan on doing with the Echo? Right now, uh, not a ton. Uh, I'm buying it for when we move. Because when we move, I'm going to get Hue lights and I'm going to get Y-Thing switches and all that stuff. Or Wemo switches or whatever is the thing. Um, and then I'm going to kind of dig in. Like, What I really like is Amazon have worked with a bunch of UK companies to, for, to develop skills. You know, They call them skills, right? The, the little yes. integrations? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, like, you know, there's a um, there's a service here called, for example, called Just Eat, and Just oh, Eat yeah. is like a takeaway service. So they have developed a skill with them, and they have one with the National Rail, so you can ask them when the train is and stuff. Um, yeah, they, they have a few things. They work with Jamie Oliver to get recipes into it, and I'm excited. I am genuinely. I've wanted one for so long, but I wanted to kind of. I wanted to wait until I could get the full experience, um, and it looks like that's what I'm going to get now. Amazon also, in their true mad style that they have, uh, they have announced that they're selling the dot in a six-pack now, (laughs) (laughs) which is incredible. Uh, You buy five and get one free. 
or buy what 10 do- and get two free. Is what what can you do with six dots? The idea you? is you then have one in every room. That's their idea. Mm. I don't know if anybody really needs... Well, I can that. already imagine you mm. walking around your new flat and just talking to Alexa in every room. So my, my plan is to put the uh, the Echo in the living room slash kitchen that we have, like the large room. Um, and then I might get a dot for the bedroom or for the office, depending on how well it can hear us. Uh, but I'm gonna, I want to kind of test it to see how that works out. But I'm really excited about this. Um, and they also have them in white now, but I got the black one. Yeah, I've been, I've been waiting for a long time, so uh, you can expect to hear a lot from me as I go through my uh, home automation kick over the next couple of months or something. Nice. Sweet. We teased this at the top of the show, but something interesting happened over the weekend. Um, something that will go down in history. There we go. Just do this forever. I could do it forever. Is it out of your system now? Is no, it out yeah. of your system? Stephen no, no. Hackett, can you tell us all about it, please? Can you be the gate father, Steven? <laughs> I mean, I I only rode Mike's coattails with the mm-hmm. buttons. The button doesn't work with fabric in between your finger and the button. So Mike really got everybody amped up. So um, yeah, I I uh, prime the pump. As it yeah, were. yeah. You were the John the Baptist of the situation. Mm-hmm. Bad news for puppets using the home button it won't work. Yeah, no, no puppets could use home buttons. In all seriousness, though, right? Like this became this whole thing about gloves, uh, which I never yeah. said anything about gloves. Uh, but I don't know why this became a thing, but it did. Um, well, I, it became a thing because people, there are people who want to either like write everything off as not a big deal, or feel like their job is to protect the normals from like incorrect stories yeah and, and like that's fine like that i applaud people who do that uh on twitter or on their blogs or whatever but it doesn't mean that everything you, you got to shoot down everything that comes across your desk yeah because um, it's like you know it's a categorical fact that i found in that if you do yeah. not make contact with the touch id ring the home button doesn't click so and capacitive gloves fit into that story like yeah. <laughs> anyways that was lots of fun. Yep. But that was only the what would turn out to be the second weirdest thing of our weekend. It was a mere appetizer, as it were. <laughs> so that was what, Friday night? Yeah, Friday night. The button thing? Mm-hmm. So I got my iPhone 7 Plus Friday evening. I did not get a chance to do anything with it until late Friday night. And I set it up in the iCloud Restore, and I basically just signed in and then dropped it on the dock and let it charge overnight, thinking... Uh, the iCloud Restore will take overnight, and it'll be done when I wake up. So I get up the next morning, and two things were happening. One, the iCloud Restore was just like completely broken. Things were just uh, not... <laughs> it was like in a weird state where it had clearly failed during the restore for some reason. And so I noticed that, and I set the phone down, and then I noticed that it is making basically a sound. And there's a YouTube... Uh, link in the show notes you can go listen to it i'm sure you've already heard it because it's because over a million people have (laughs) so you're probably one of them yeah it's like almost 1.2 million now the um and so i recorded the sound thinking this is really strange and i I know what the sound is it's coil hum it's a sound that happens in a lot of electronic devices i have in all of my years of 
owning and collecting devices. I've never heard it in an iOS device. And I have a bunch to choose from now in my library. None of them do it. Uh, so I was like, this is strange. Clearly this phone is defective in some way. So could you hear it when it was on your desk? Yes. Okay. And so a lot of the a lot of the narrative, including this morning, people are like, I can only hear it if I stick it next to my ear. That is not what my phone did. Yeah, because I can hear it sometimes if I jam my phone up to my ear. Well, sure. Yeah. Mine is on the desk, and I am sitting at my computer, and it is, you know, 18 or 24 inches away, and I can hear it. It is loud. Right. See, that's a problem. And I would be scared if I heard that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I didn't think it was going to explode, but um, I, well. I figured this is weird. And the reason I recorded the sound was I wanted people who think they hear this not to feel crazy. Like, this is a thing that can happen. Just FYI. And I decided, because I'm a reporter, let me report on like the situation with my individual phone. And so I put the video up Saturday morning early. I recorded it on my Zoom recorder, like standing in my bedroom Saturday morning. Put the video up. Birds in the background. <laughs> Birds are in the background. Yeah, if I'd known a million people were going to hear it, I would have definitely done a cleaner job with the audio. But the audio is a fair representation of how it sounds. Like, that is how it sounds. I didn't do anything to so the audio. So what are you doing? Like, the... Do you have the recorder touching the phone? No, the recorder is like... I have the phone in one hand and the recorder in the other hand, and there are inches in between them. Yeah, see, that's like, that's crazy. Like, that's a piece of information I didn't know. Um, yeah, the recorder is not touching the phone. Um, and so I put it up on YouTube, and I write a little blog post on 512 saying, hey, I recorded the sound. It's kind of weird. Uh, I'm going to contact Apple Care and I will update this post as I learn more, right? I was going to do a little live blog on a Saturday morning. And so I call Apple Care and they're very responsive. I end up talking to like an Apple Care supervisor who says, hey, you know, clearly this phone is not doing what we want it to do. Um, he calls the my local Apple store and says, they have stock, go in and swap it out. I go to the Apple store. They don't have the phone. They haven't had that phone all day. So there's some discrepancy between what Apple Care said and what the store said. Uh, the Apple Store deemed the fastest way to replace the phone was to order a service replacement through the Genius Bar. That was Saturday. Today is Tuesday. I've not heard a peep, so that I'm still I still have this phone. It's in a box on my desk, turned off. So I'm waiting on a replacement phone. But Apple was going to replace the phone. The Apple Care supervisor actually called me back Saturday afternoon, saying, "Hey, I want to make sure you got the phone." I was like, "I don't know what who you spoke to, but they haven't had the phone all day." And he wasn't very apologetic about that, but kind of was like, oh, well, too bad. Sorry. Have a nice day. Wasn't real thrilled about that interaction. Um, so I updated the blog post again saying, hey, I talked to AppleCare. They're going to replace the phone. I also updated the caption under the video. And by this time, by Saturday afternoon, it had st- it had been picked up by a couple of big people on Twitter, people at TechCrunch and people kind of in the um, in the tech sphere. And it was starting to get some legs on it. And um, at this point, I I was talking with the two of you guys. And I was um, starting to freak out a little bit. I was like, I didn't, you know, mean to uh You were very uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable. Because at um, this point, it is now starting to become the story, right? Like, with the home button thing, it was like it bubbled up for a little bit. It got picked up by a bunch of places. But it wasn't like a big issue. It was like, a, hey, here's a weird thing about your iPhone. That was kind of the, the overall narrative. Like, The Verge put it on their floors, whatever. But then yeah. with your one, it was like, at that point, some people are ready to start fighting down the phone because at this point, it's clear that 
there is a whole industry based around trying to find the gate of the iPhone, right? It's the big thing. Right. It's a big story. It's a huge thing on YouTube. People bending them in half, snapping them into pieces because you get a million views. It, we have found out. It's like, that's why people do it. <laughs> so now it's like everyone's ready because that first one didn't go anywhere. So now it's like, oh, okay, we'll all start talking about this. It's like, this is a scary thing. This is kind of a weird thing. It's something like most people can't understand what it is. Like, I had no idea what causes those sort of sounds. And like, when people explain what Kolohom is, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But it's like, it's building up, it's building up. And now it's like, just this just exploded. No pun intended. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And so, yeah, so I was, I was kind of freaking out. Um, actually like took tweetbot off my phone i haven't put it back yet i was like twitter replies were out of control the youtube comments were out of control and so i basically like hid for like 18 hours on the internet i was like i I just this needs to like happen without me and um all i did was like post the video and post the blog post i truly didn't mean for it to be as wide as as it's been and it truly has gone viral it's the by far the single biggest a single piece of work has ever been for me like none of my other youtube videos are even close to this um which is a really fascinating look at how like the media works. And it was, it was perfect timing, right? It was like launch weekend. It was Saturday morning early. There's not a lot of news going on. And it really spread like like wildfire. And I've heard from a lot of people, like my inbox is unbelievable right now. I've heard from a lot of people who say a bunch of different things. And, and the feedback kind of fall, falls into like two camps. Feedback that I'm, I'm willing to address is people who are just like being hateful in the comments and whatever i can't be bothered with people who are going to respond that way but people say my phone does this and it's as loud as yours is and you know those people contact apple and apple's replacing them which is great um and i've heard from people that say what you said mike of well i can hear it but only if i jam my you know jam the phone into my ear which is like a totally reasonable thing um and i think if that's the the volume level like that's acceptable um electronics make noise and especially something as powerful as the a10 fusion chip um coil hum is something that can happen and um and so the people who have been like decent to talk to about this have been really really great even people who disagree with me on like the fact that it happens like just because it doesn't happen to your phone doesn't mean it's not true um even those people have been have been good to talk to so i've talked to a lot of people um so yesterday on sunday is when it began to evolve from the tech press to like the mainstream press so started getting emails from places like the Washington Post and Good Morning America, which is like a morning <laughs> television news show, um, who they are supposed to be featuring the video today. I, g- I gave them permission. Um, and so today, I think, like, you know, Monday and Tuesday, I think it will be the days that it's like mainstream press. And I, I think this will be the end of it. I hope this will be the end of it. Um but yeah, it's a thing, guys. Like we were talking all weekend, and I was like, I, I truly like this is. It's hard to believe that it's happening. Um, Are you excited about it at all? I am now. Like I said, the first eighteen or twenty four hours, um, two things happened early off that really made me feel bad. One was there was a segment of the the Apple community that responded very negatively to it, um, and uh, and people who basically wrote it off as not being a thing because they hadn't experienced it or saying oh it's completely normal like normalizing like this the issue like i don't think it's like a danger like i don't think it's widespread i don't think there's something like you should skip buying the iphone 7 plus because of it like i'm going to replace it and carry an iphone 7 plus 
Um, I'm not saying any of that, but a, a lot of those things got attributed to me based on like other people's writing. And that was pretty hurtful. Um, and, and I still feel pretty beat up over how parts of the community reacted. Um, but now like still really starting yesterday, how I chose to approach this is after talking with you guys, talking with my wife, talking with some other people. I was like, look, like, I don't think any damage has been done to like, like my audience size and like my listeners and like readers of the website. Like those people have all been amazing. Like uh, the people who normally pay attention to what I do have been nothing but supportive. Well, Cause this. they understand like, what you're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They know I'm not doing it for like, I don't know, like, just page views or something like it. I really just published it to be like, I report on Apple. This is something that happened to me. Um, and so thank you to everyone who's just been like awesome. I got for every like nasty comment I've gotten, I've gotten a nice one. And I, if you've sent a nice one, thank you very much. Um, but now what I'm trying, how I'm trying to think about it is, uh, this is something that I, however accidental the, the, the viral aspect of it was like, this is a situation I'm in now. And so now it's about making the best of it. And it means that like, like, Federico had suggested it and I had already started doing it. Like if I talk to somebody and I've talked to a couple reporters, uh, I'm not talking to everybody. Um, I make sure like the full website URL is given. Like I can, I'm now trying to like channel this of like the story's out there. It's be way beyond what I intended, um, but I can't change that. And so now it's like, how do I um, make sure that I handle it appropriately and, and do it in a way that's professional because mm-hmm. it's playing on a big boy stage that I normally don't get to be on. Like none of us get to be on, like none of us have had anything to do a million views. No. Um, at least on this show. So it's, um, it's something that is uh, unique and something that doesn't come around very often. And so now I'm really trying to handle it the best that I can. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's still completely overwhelming. Like it's completely exhausting, but it's, um, it's almost over, I think. And, you know, I, I probably won't be able to outrun it for a while. Like I think this will kind of be in the news for a little while and people in the tech community, it'll be associated with me for a little bit, but we're talking six months from now, or maybe even like two months from now, it'll be in the past and it'll be done. And, um, it's fine with me. Serious question. Okay. Do you think you might look for stuff? In the future, is this a thing that you'd be interested in getting involved in? This this world of like, let's find out what's wrong with the iPhone. No, I mean, I if it's one of those things like if my phone hadn't made this noise and I saw it somewhere else, I probably wouldn't even link to it. Um, I yeah. didn't link to the button thing, like even though it was you. Um, it's like whatever that sort of thing is is really not that interesting yep. to me. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday about it. Like my style normally, like my style of coverage normally is to let things pass by and comment on things that seem really important, but only like when I've had time to process them. So like I'm not first to a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like my Sierra review, which we're going to talk about later today, like that'll be out, like that's out today with Sierra. Um, but that's a little bit different. You know, big news stories, I, like, 512 is, I'm not in the news game with 512 Pixels. I'm not in the news game with this show. Uh, I'm in the game of, like, I have a unique perspective on Apple, somewhat, and I, I try to filter things through that perspective. And sometimes that means, most of the time, that means I'm not first. This thing that I recorded in, like, four minutes in my bedroom and put it a, a PNG and an audio file together in Final Cut, like, it was, the whole thing was over as far as publication in, like, half an hour. That's unusual for me, and I don't think that's like if it happens to me. Like if I if I come across that 
how I normally operate, then sure, I'll do it again. But I, I'm not going to be one of those people like, does the iPhone bend? You know, like be one of those YouTubers who like tries to destroy a device for for pages. That has no that that is nothing for me interest wise. Um, I only did it because it happened to the phone that was sitting on my desk, and I felt an obligation to report my experience. Why do you think Apple haven't said anything yet? Because they have, they've issued like some press comments about the lightning thing with the headphones going dead after five minutes. Yeah, losing the audio control. Yeah. I think that's a two-part question. So I don't think they've replied publicly to anyone. So I thought I thought one of two things would happen. A, Apple would contact me, which they have not. Or two, they would contact their normal outlets to say have some sort of of um, message, like you are saying with the, the deal with the lightning headphones and the adapter the, you lose audio control after audio is cut off for five minutes and apple made a thing hey it's a bug we're going to fix it in a future update um sorry right uh they've done neither as far as long as as far as i know talking right now this moment they have not issued any sort of statement about this especially not to me i think that if it goes past today that they, they won't do it um i thought at least that i would get a call or an email um but i guess not and like that's fine. Like I have no hard feelings over that. I think they haven't done it because the I truly believe the number of units affected is very small. The five minute headphone deal happens to all iPhone seven and seven pluses, all however many million they've sold. Mm-hmm. This thing has been seen by one point two million people on YouTube, and I'm sure has been read and seen on TV now, which is crazy. By many, many more. And I have not heard from a lot of those people. I've definitely heard from people, but it's a very small number. So I think this is a very isolated deal. And Apple just got real unlucky that a guy with a blog and a YouTube channel happened to get one. But isn't it one of those things now where like the public perception is that the iPhones hiss and there's like something bubbling inside them? I mean, maybe. And I think the idea that like, and this was in some of the arguments that, that saying that I overstated my, you know, overplayed my hand was that in the world of like where Samsung Galaxy Note 7s like are, are, are actually hurting people, which is a terrible, um, terrible story. Like people are getting hurt, properties being damaged. That in that that world and that climate, that saying anything about the iPhone 7 Plus that isn't that is like reckless somehow, which I just don't buy for a second. Like this is a story with or without Samsung having their horrific quarter of news. Because it's still a thing but, the phone shouldn't be doing. Right. It's still a and problem. It's an, it's an expensive device. <laughs> and it's it's a device from a company that usually gets details right. And I'm sure it's just some little manufacturing uh, detail. Actually, I actually have an email from somebody who um, they are working on like a PhD in like electrical engineering. And he sent me this one. So if you're listening, thank you. Sent me this wonderful like four paragraph email explaining what what his thought was. This is a guy who like is in school to learn how this stuff works, which is like really cool that he emailed me um, explaining how it works. It seems like it's a little manufacturing defect. And if that's true, maybe there's just a batch of them and they've got it resolved. Um, I I would have thought that Apple would have said something to the effect that it's a very small number of units. If you have one of these units, you know, contact us, but there's no, uh, there's no danger in it. Like it's not going to cause harm to anyone like, like the Samsung phones are. Um, but they haven't said a thing and I do find it interesting, but you know, maybe it's just below their threshold of, of needing to care about it. But like I said, like the mainstream media stuff, like 
last night and today may change that. But if it doesn't happen today, um, on Tuesday the twentieth, then I think it'll just it'll just float on by, and and Apple won't won't have to respond to it. All right. Well, I'm happy that your video got viewed by a million people. <laughs> it's crazy. It's you know it's um it's one of those things that like the timing and everything was just. I guess just perfect for it. Like I truly had no anticipation that this is how it would end up. It's um, kind of weird that somebody that I know did this because it always feels <laughs> like malicious people right. out to make a buck. Yeah. Like, and if I had known that this is where it was going to end up, I, I, I wouldn't have done it. Honestly, like yeah. the feeling that I had the last couple of days of just like, utter dread looking at the internet and that's not because i'm like damaging apple's brand i don't care about that like i'm doing my job as a reporter um the feeling of dread has been from people who i thought we had a certain relationship and that we that we don't at least over this story like that's a personal aspect more than anything and like the the community response has not been what i what i was hoping for in places but the the feeling of like um exhaustion and stuff is just is just the overwhelming numbers like i was doing my job as a reporter i'm proud of the job i've done as a reporter in this that i've been very i think even-handed and fair to apple the um but yeah like it's it's not it wasn't done out of out of any sort of like malicious intent it was just a hey i write and talk about this stuff for a living i have have i'm having this weird experience like it's no different like when we're going to talk about I work in the cloud a little bit later on in the show and we had a bad experience with it <laughs> again, shocking. Uh, and we're going to talk about it because that's our job is to talk about our experience. It's not about being positive about Apple. It's not about being negative about Apple. Those two things, like if that's how you approach this, you're approaching it wrong. Our job is to simply report our experience in this, in this industry and in this space. And that's all I did. And it is very strange to be the person who started a gate, but, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's sort of it's sort of uh, nutty at the same time, right? It's it's been a very interesting look into how like big media stories happen, and how quick I mean, just how quickly something can really just get out of hand. So, like with the very small um, look that I had, like comparatively at this, it's funny to see how the media twists a story. Like it starts off with this one thing, and somebody else says something else, and that gets compounded, and then somebody else says something else, and that gets compounded, and then it ends up being the point where like four or five articles along, there's things being said that like you never said, right? And it's just such a weird thing to see that in action on the side of the original source, mm-hmm. like, and just looking at how like. Once X website's written it up, and then this one rewrote it, and then this one rewrote it from that rewrite, and this one rewrote it from that rewrite, which you can see, which is so funny. Like, you look at the words being exactly the same. Um, right. It's just such a strange thing to see from this side rather than just the side of the consumer of the information. Right. Because usually it- I wouldn't read the same story about a home button not working or an iPhone hissing from six different websites. Right. I would read one of them right? Rather than six of them. So it's funny to see how the information gets regurgitated Mm -hmm. and twisted as it moves through the chain. 
And I think that that will be even more interesting to see with the mainstream coverage than just tech. Like, yeah, what a Good Morning America going to say about this? Like, yeah, they're no. not going to talk about <laughs> coil hum or whatever it's called. No, no, and, and and so who knows? The um, and that's always like this is part of it that as it goes further down the line, things things change. But at the same time, like that's true. But a lot of but a lot of the stories that I've read, at least in bigger, like my WordPress install has like nine hundred trackback deals right now it's often like little wordpress sites that just are scraping content but the big reporters like some of them even like the telegraph like went so far as like name me an american podcaster and someone else was like relay fm co-founders like there are reporters looking into me yeah and like quoting the blog post and linking to the blog post as opposed to just like building layers my favorite ones were the ones where people mentioned both of us yeah which was really funny they were like Stephen Hackett found this. Oh, his co-founder found this. It's just really funny. Like there are these <laughs> yeah. stories that, that put us together, which was, it yeah. was hilarious, and it was just complete coincidence, right? Totally. We weren't sitting in Slack and being like, "Right, now's <laughs> the time. This is our time, guys. We're gonna take it down." That never happened. Two years of like founding our own business with our own money and working really hard every day to just to do this. Um, it is wild how far it's gone though. Like I've gotten link, people have been sending me links to like an article, um, like on a, in like Dubai and it was like on the Dutch national news and, uh, Federico was sending me stuff to like French websites last night. Like it's all over the place and it's just really like, it's hard to believe. Like I see my name there, but like, that's not me. Um, (laughs) like the, the NBC nightly news carried it on their website last night and a friend of mine, uh, texted it to me. He's like, is this you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's me, all right. Like, it doesn't feel like it, but it is. But this is the thing, right? This is the thing I keep coming back to. This is the industry that exists, the cottage industry that exists to mm-hmm. find these weird things, right? Something I didn't like is, speaking of that, is how some folks in the community and on Twitter, just if you take a look around, um, there's a few articles with tweets uh, from the you know from Apple and tech people embedded in the story, and you can see a, the common reaction of when someone finds a problem in Apple's hardware or software. There's a few people that deflect the criticism by saying, "Yes, but look at how Samsung is bad." Mm-hmm. So they're instead of responding objectively to some criticism, they say. They, they cover the ears and say, yeah, yeah, but Samsung, you know, they're not seven, it explodes. It's not really an answer. And no. this applies to Apple hardware, Apple software, when you criticize, you know, something that doesn't work. Uh, and there's always people who say, yeah, but Microsoft and Google are just as bad. That's not really an answer. I'm not talking about Microsoft and Google, I'm talking about Apple. It is a valid independent point that they yes. might be bad, but it doesn't mean that it makes the other thing good. Exactly. So it's, and I think this way of reasoning applies to every single area in life. When you're dealing with a very specific criticism, you shouldn't deflect attention to something else just so you can avoid having that discussion. And I think what Stephen found was objectively true. He made a video, he made a recording, and other people heard it as well. We're not saying that the iPhone 7 explodes. We're saying that it makes a sound. And so we're we're just curious about that because it didn't used to make that loud a sound before. So I don't understand the reaction that I've seen from folks who say, yeah, yeah, you know, the Note 7 explodes and now people are complaining about the iPhone 7 making a sound. It's not really the same, the same, you know, scale here. Uh, it's two different topics. And I, and I think Stephen did the right thing. And I think it 
handle it uh, gracefully, you know? So, I do too. Yeah. Should we move on? Thanks, guys. Congratulations on your 1 million views. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> this episode of Connected is brought to you by a new sponsor, and that is Cricket. Cricket is a company that was founded in the pursuit of the perfect polo shirt. After years of searching for exactly what they were looking for, Cricket's founders decided that the only way to get the shirts that they really wanted was to go out and make them themselves. Cricket's shirts feature the perfect mix of old-school style and modern design. Their inspirations range from the golfing legend Jack Nicklaus to President JFK to fashion icons like James Dean. Cricket shirts are all about being better than what you can find out there today. They're better fitting. They're not too baggy, not too skinny. They have a better collar because they have these removable collar stays. Like you're getting fancy shirts. You have a little collar stay, like a little plastic thing. They put them in their polo shirts so you can keep your collar looking crisp and new. No more ruffled up bacon collar. Bacon collar was not a term that I knew before uh, I spoke to the cricket folk, but it makes so much sense. You know, like the collar like ruffles up. These collar stays stop that from happening on the cricket that's polo good. shirts. That's, yeah. a, that's a good name for that. Yeah, bacon collar. <laughs> Uh, it's not as tasty as it sounds a better shopping experience as well they have no hassle free returns and exchanges and they have better fabric all cricket shirts feature super soft 100% certified organic cotton to make their shirts as comfortable at the 19th hole as they are at the 18th now this is the thing that that cricket believe in I like companies that have a story and this is their story the 19th hole is a mentality that they believe in it's a golfing term But even if you don't play, I'm sure you can get the idea of having a place to relax and unwind. And that's exactly what the product's made for. The 19th hole is what comes after the 18th hole, which is where the golfing ends. The 19th hole is the relaxing part. And the idea is that your 19th hole is where it's comfortable for you. And that's what they're all about. And I like this kind of mentality, this idea of a nice place where you can chill out and you can relax and think about stuff. And that's what cricket's all about because they try and make comfortable clothing that you're going to feel good in. Like you're going to look good in them, but feel good in them. They sent me a couple of their shirts and I love them. Cut the, the fabric's real great. The colors are real great. I love the little collar stays. The labels have cocktail recipes on the back, which is just think is super cool you can go and find out more about cricket shirts today by going to cricketshirts.com slash connected now i'm going to need to spell this one for you it's c-r-i-q-u-e-t-s-h-i-r-t-s.com so it's cricket c-r-i-q-u-e-t shirts.com slash connected of course there'll be a link in the show notes and because you're a listener of this show you'll get a great 20 percent off your first purchase with the code connected at checkout go check out their stuff seriously it's really really good quality clothing thank you so much to cricket for their support of this show and relay fm i work collaboration now we promised that we would do our show notes for you uh, this week. So the show notes that we put together where we talk about what we're going to talk about and we have all of our bullet points and all of our research, we put them into a document. We've spoken about pages in the past. We've spoken about uh, paper. We've spoken about Quip and Google Docs. We use one of these services that we collaborate on. We all work on it together. And then when we're doing the show, we all have this document in front of us so we know what we're talking about and we have all of everything that we need. We promised that we would try the new pages for iCloud or whatever it's called, the iWork collaboration stuff this week. Uh, I want to give a very quick spoiler. I'm currently looking at Google Docs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about why. Um, it, start, uh, it started off, they announced this, and then uh, when I was on my travels um, after the Apple event, uh, after iOS 10 was released, they put the update out. And uh, I figured that I would do something that you guys did last time. So when the first collaboration thing 
came out for pages when uh, we decided to take action all the way over on prompt 20. Uh, you two both put up a public page, right? So people could come and just see what happened and break it. I think you did it with Google Docs as well or something like that. Yeah. So I decided that I would share a document on Twitter for people to come in and edit. And there were... The, the, the little indicator said like 35 plus on it. I have no idea how many people were actually at this document, but it felt like more than 35. Uh, I was looking at it on my iPhone um, and it was kind of all going a little bit crazy, but it held up. I was looking at it on my iPhone and you know, things were loading not like completely instantly, right? Because there was probably so much going on there. It was overloading it. But it was a little slow at times and it was a total stress test and it held up. I was impressed by how it held up on my phone because I could see people typing. I could see things being pasted over and over and over and over again. Um, and then, yeah, it was fine. So I was looking at it, watching it go through. But then I started getting some tweets from people saying that they were having some problems on the web, like it was slowing down. And then Dan Sturm, hosted a defocus podcast on The Incomparable, sent me a screenshot of a kernel panic that he received <laughs> uh, whilst whilst playing around on the web. So I don't think it was completely stable, but I will not knock them for this because I don't think it's fair to. Because I purposefully tried to break it. Right? Right. And uh, if anything, I was impressed by how well it was holding up on iOS. Um, And I just wanted to see, can it cope with a lot of people at the same time? And the answer was, yes, it can. But talking about iOS, I have used Pages, uh, the, the collaboration stuff, exclusively on my iPhone. So I wanted to see what the experience was like there. And I don't like it. Um, it does this weird zooming in thing. So when you look at the page, it's really zoomed out. Like you see the whole page. And then when you tap to enter text, it zooms in. But it zooms in so so far that the end of the line is obscured. It's not like reformatting things. So what you would want it to be is like to then take the full size of the screen to be the page or whatever, and then it would reformat the text, right? So it flows it. It doesn't do that. So you're typing... And then it's like going off the edge of the screen, like and the screen's moving along and then you can't see what's on the left. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah, so I think so. It was zoomed in too far to the point that you couldn't see the ends of the line that where you were. And I didn't like that. So you have to pan around to read everything. Um, I didn't. Th- I just didn't like this. It wasn't. I, I. I wanted the text to kind of flow more like responsibly, like responsive web design stuff. Uh, rather than having to pan around. It just didn't feel nice. I don't need to do that on Google Docs, right? Google Docs just kind of flows the text to make it work. So, like, it right. moves it depending on the size of the screen rather than, like, being completely stuck to the original formatting. And Pages Pages is the only app that I've used in a collaboration sense that does it this way. And I don't like it. Yeah, that, that, seems, that seems pretty janky. It, it should know... I mean, it's a native iOS app, but I can understand if it was a web view that maybe... Didn't they get the message that it was on a, a smaller device? But in a native app, they should be able to do that. This is that purely like my experience, but it felt a little webby in a way that I can't explain. It They're obviously doing something here to connect all this stuff together. It didn't feel completely native. like It just didn't feel as responsive as I would like it to be. I don't know. Hmm. It's The, the uh, pages on iOS is super unfriendly to third-party keyboards. So on the iPhone, 
Uh, it doesn't give me any shortcut bars. Like third-party keyboard just makes all that go away. It's not like how with some apps you get a bar that lives above the keyboard. So if I wanted to do any formatting, putting something in bold, uh, having a list, even using a to indent on a list when I use Gboard, which is my keyboard, I had to hit the formatting paintbrush to do anything. Like I couldn't even highlight the text and bold it. I had to go. I had to highlight the text, hit the formatting paintbrush, and do everything. Um, I wished it was a little bit more. Uh, forgiving to third-party keyboards, considering Apple make the app and enable third-party keyboards. I think the guy who wrote the third-party keyboard code has been on vacation for two years, though. Yeah. Yeah. So my experience on the iPhone is it works, but I don't like it. Yeah. So do we want to talk about the other platforms? Yeah. So on the Mac, as of this recording at least, and there was supposed to be an iWork update... I assume coming with Sierra, maybe shortly after Sierra. Right now, if you go into iCloud Drive and I click Pages and I click our shared thing, a little pop-up comes up and says, this document can be opened to share this, to open this shared document, use Pages for iCloud. And it has a link. On the web, right? Go to iCloud.com and kicks <laughs> me to the browser. So on the Mac, it's not really doing anything. That will change with an update that may already be out by the time you're yep. listening to this. But yep. at this point in our testing... Uh, the Mac apps have not been updated. Outside of crippling bugs, which we'll get to in a moment, Federico, how is it on the iPad? Um, it's kind of janky. Uh, the way that um, like it doesn't feel as fast as other real-time collaboration services. Like you don't see indications from people who are typing. You don't you don't see different colors. And I kept having this message at the bottom of the screen saying. This document is in UK English, and I I wasn't sure what to do about that because it was just floating there. It's more use, uh, man. You gotta gotta put more use in all your words. I I don't know. I, I wouldn't understand why. Like it's a document in English. I don't care about you know the language that Mike is using. <laughs> well, you could just write in any language. Like it's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, what if I want to write in Italian? It's like I'm not supposed to write in Italian, so I I couldn't understand. And if like the general impression is, I mean, I like the the new interface for the 12.9 inch iPad Pro there's like a sidebar for formatting controls on the right which is nice but it it doesn't feel feels like they try to to have these collaboration features onto an existing solution which isn't meant for collaboration and yeah. you don't feel this problem as much in Notes which also has CloudKit collaboration now but because the app is is more lightweight and because it's more it's simpler uh, it doesn't feel like there's a whole extra thing built on top of it. If Also because Notes is a, a new app from last year, basically. So it doesn't feel as aged as Pages. So you know that they're saying about the indicators. I was seeing them on the iPhone. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, so like oh. I would see a little colored cursor. Like oh, see you. someone typing. So it's weird that you couldn't see them. Maybe, was there a time where we were all in the document together? Was that maybe the problem? Maybe, I don't know. Hmm. Who knows, I'm, who knows? It's just it felt, I don't know, it felt off. I'm not sure how to describe it, uh, but what came next was the real problem for me. Yeah. Basically, um, when I opened, so I signed, let's say I signed up for the document on my phone. So I take my iPad, I tap on the, I open pages, it loads from, from, the, from iCloud, and it shows me the document we're working on. So I tap on the document, uh, I close the document, and then Pages is stuck on, it says updating at the top of the screen in the title bar. 
and they keep spinning. So I wait a couple of minutes, it doesn't do anything. I force quit the app and reopen pages and it's still stuck on updating. So I delete pages from my iPad and I'm like, okay, whatever. Maybe, you know, with the update, something went wrong. So I re-download pages from the app store. I open pages and it says updating. And I st- when it's updating, I cannot tap on the document to see what we're working on for the show notes. So at that point, I realized, okay, I tried everything. In the meantime, I also tried to switch to airplane mode, to 4G, to Wi-Fi, everything. I just had to reboot the iPad uh, to turn it off and turn it on again. Uh, because So that in that way, Pages was not stuck anymore. And I was like, okay, this is the first problem. I mean, what happens if I, you know, working, uh, you know, and I need to have my notes in, you know, in just a f- I need to be quick with my notes. I need to save them in a couple of minutes and I run into this problem. Maybe that that can be, you know, that can be an issue. But whatever, let's keep trying. So I went on my phone again and last night I was trying to, I I added some comments to the document. So I add my notes and close pages and I go back to doing what I was doing. Uh, So when I open pages a few minutes later, because I was like, okay, I got to continue my notes. Uh, I got I get this message. It says your edits have not been synced. Uh, you can save a copy, but you you will lose the edits in the cloud version. So it wanted me to take out my edits and make a new document, a new local document that was not shared with you guys because it couldn't merge my changes with the changes to the document. At that point, I took a screenshot. I sent I sent it to you uh, on Slack, and I was like, I'm done with this. Please let's go back to Google Docs because I cannot risk of adding notes. Let's say that I work for 20 minutes on my notes for the show. They don't save. Then he wants me to create a copy. Then I got to create a copy, copy and paste, go back. It's, you know, what am I, an animal? I mean, uh, the basic collaboration 101. And I cannot use a service that doesn't get the basics right, which is you got to merge changes from multiple people into a single document. This is like the basic collaboration stuff. What's the point of it? It's really the point of it. Don't let me create multiple multiple copies. Always save my changes the, mom- the moment that I close the app. And that wasn't the case. And sure, it's a beta. Sure, other, prob- other services from Microsoft and Google and Quip and whatever also have problems, but not this kind of problem in my experience. So I don't want to use it right now. Does it make sense? Yeah, and that's exactly why we moved back. Uh, we tried it. I don't think any of us really had the expectation that we would switch from Google Docs. And I know that people think that it's unfair that we uh, that we say that this isn't good, but it isn't good. And frankly, it's got to be, right? Why would we move away or why would we recommend that anybody move away from a collaboration system that works perfectly? Because Google Docs does, from a collaboration perspective, work perfectly. I have never had a problem like with uh, edits not being saved or anything in any of the apps or on the web. It's not a problem. We don't have these issues, you know. Why would we move away from something? And frankly, like if Apple want to uh, parade on stage their amazing features in this market in 2016, it's got to hold up against what's available. And it doesn't, right? For us, anyway, for our purposes, this did not hold up because failed at a fundamental thing and that's Federico added some notes and it refused to save them. Now that's no good. It's no bueno. Yeah. I mean again uh, might as well be working perfectly for others. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it does and, and I'm sure uh, again in notes didn't have a single issue with notes collaboration since iOS 10 beta 1. Not a single problem. 
I try again with pages and the very second test, <laughs> which is I'm just adding some bullet points to a shared document. There we go again with the same error message. Of course, though, notes is fundamentally different, right? Me and sure. you can't go in notes and write together and see each other writing, which you can uh-huh. do with pages. But we can't do that with notes. It just throws these blocks in every now and then. And like things like if, if uh, me and Stephen were testing this the other day for his Mac OS Sierra review, which we'll talk about in a minute. If I'm writing and Stephen enters his cursor and starts writing and we're writing in the same place, notes just like spits those two things out as separate paragraphs because it doesn't know how to deal with the conflict because it's simple. But on pages, it would pick it up. And Stephen would start writing, and I would start writing, and then we'd just all be writing in the same place, and everything would be merged together properly. Like, so it is more complex, and it is this added complexity which adds difficulty to make this stuff work properly. But Google's been doing this for a long time. I bet Google's first tries at this were also pretty rough. But the thing is, you can't come into a market like this today and not get criticized the product isn't good enough when there are many viable alternatives. It's the same thing that we did with paper, right? With Dropbox paper. We looked at it. It was good in a bunch of ways. wasn't good in a bunch of ways. So we have to say why. Same with Quip, right? Like Quip worked really well for us, but it was kind of janky at the same time. Google mm-hmm. Docs, the only problem with Google Docs was ever that they were slow to adopt iPad format stuff. So because that's back, from my opinion, their only mark is gone again. It works perfectly. We never, never, ever, ever have issues with it. So I'm sorry, iCloud. Well, and collaboration has to be perfect, right? Like the, it's almost good enough, like doesn't work when you have multiple people editing content or even like Federico last night was alone in the document and it couldn't save it. Like it's pretty fundamental stuff. Like I could argue that Apple's web apps still are designed to look and feel way too much like desktop desktop apps and they're very heavy and sometimes they're slow and clunky because they're trying to make a drop down look like it does in Aqua. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about like basic fundamentals, um, but clearly, I mean, our our complaints are only valid if we put them on YouTube. So maybe we should make a video. What do you guys think? Yeah, we should. Uh, what like collab gate? Done. Ship it. All right. You work on that on your okay. uh, multi million view YouTube channel, and, okay. uh, and we'll we'll get going. Federico, do you have any uh, video footage of the edits not being saved? No, but I got a uh, pages making a weird sound. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that works it's like whispering at you like come back I'm not gonna save your chain <laughs> <laughs> you could try as much as you like but I ain't doing it <laughs> this week's episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks the company on a mission to help small business owners like me and hopefully like you save time and avoid the stress that comes with running those businesses it all starts with pain free invoicing imagine a world in which it took just 30 seconds to create and send an invoice those horrible things that you have to write up every month and send out invoices. I was sending invoices in pages like an animal. Um, and now you can use FreshBooks, and now I use FreshBooks to send them super quickly. To add my little company logo, we have the Relay FM logo on all of our invoices, so it looks nice and professional. And we're able to very easily integrate a bunch of different payment methods. So we are in the lucky uh, set of people who are using FreshBooks who get paid five days faster on average. Because that's what happens when you're a FreshBooks customer. You can integrate card payments. You can integrate PayPal payments. 
They have their own payment system. You can put uh, information for how people could do direct deposit. You can put information for how people can send you checks. You make it easy for your client to pay you, and they're going to pay you, right? Like somebody gets an invoice and it just says, pay me now. People click that button, and they pay you right now rather than printing it and putting it on a stack to deal with later. These are the types of things that FreshBooks will enable you to do. You can see when someone's looked at your invoice, so you don't need to chase them. No more excuses as well. You can see if they've opened it. You can see if they printed it. And you can even set up automatic late payment reminders as well. They have super reports, so you can get a good view, a quick overview of who owes you what. You can keep track of your expenses. They have tons of third-party integrations, time tracking, and amazing customer support as well. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day free trial to listeners of this show. There's no credit card required. It's so simple to set up. You do not need to be a numbers person. To claim your 30 days of unrestricted use, go to freshbooks.com connected, and please enter connected in the how you heard about us section, so FreshBooks will know that you came to them from this show. If you have not yet signed up for FreshBooks and you send invoices out on a regular basis, trust me, just go and try this out. I will know that you're going to be happy. Go to freshbooks.com slash connected. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. Stephen Hackett, it's uh, the most wonderful time of the year, right? <laughs> Mac OS release. Whoop, whoop. So Sierra ships today, September 20th. Just one moment. So Federico, we'll see you next week, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll call you back for the end. Thank you. (laughs) So what do you want now? Tell me all about Sierra. You've written a review about it. I have written a review of it. Um, So Sierra really breaks down, the the new features break down into two big buckets. Uh, The first being Siri. And the second being iCloud stuff. So Siri is on the Mac for the f- first time. It debuted on the iPhone 4S five years ago, and it's finally on the Mac. And it is the Siri that we know and sometimes love on iOS, but it's also learned some like Mac-specific tricks. So all the normal stuff, like asking for the weather, asking for like simple math problems, asking scores to baseball games, all that stuff you can do with Siri on iOS, including opening applications, Works on the Mac, as you would expect. What Apple has done in this version, though, like, like you know on the Apple TV, they added like Apple TV-specific things? They've done this on the Mac as well. And the big one is dealing with files and folders. So talking through, uh, talking to Siri saying, hey, I want all of my Keynote documents or show me all of my PDFs with this tag, that all works. And it, it works sort of in the same way that Spotlight does. There are a few edge cases that are different, like Spotlight can see mail attachments. So I say, look for all uh, my Keynote documents. It can find Keynote documents in emails, and Siri can't do that. Siri can't look at your at your email attachments. Even though they're local on your hard disk, it, it, won't, it won't do it. So that sort of stuff is nice, and it has a couple of the tricks. Like you can take a, you can take a search. So if I say, um, you know, uh, Siri, tell me the weather in Boston. I can create, I can like take that and make it a notification center widget. Or I could say, what is the the score of the Cubs game? And I can make that a notification center widget. And that's something that I would actually really like to see on iOS, where yep. I could have a save Siri search. And these things get updated every time you go into the widget, it pulls new information. Like, why can't I use Siri to make custom widgets on iOS? I think that would be an, a really nice addition. Uh, especially on the iPad, where you can sort of use that widget screen for like more useful stuff. 
Um, but for now, this is this is uh, Mac OS only. And you know, it it's Siri. It, it it works as well as Siri does on iOS. The voice recognition is probably a little bit better. Is a lot of like my MacBook Pro is dual microphone system, and it hears me really clearly. It pauses both. It, audio and the fans in the machines it spins the fans down so we can hear just like the voice dictation has done for a couple years now and uh it's fine i don't think siri is going to drastically change the way i work on my mac like i say in the review i use siri more in writing the review than i have in the you know month or six weeks that i've been running sierra so i don't think it's a huge game changer for me but I do think it will be, I think a lot of people will like it. I think a lot of people will find it very familiar. And in talking with some with some people who are much more knowledgeable about accessibility than I am, they're all excited by it, that unlocking what the Mac can do with the voice uh, is going to be huge for uh, lots of users. And the Mac has had voiceover stuff for a long time. There's some like voice commands um, in the speak preference pane area that you can go in and the Mac could do some stuff by voice, but this is totally different. And I think that's going to unlock the Mac's potential for a lot of users who have struggled with it in the past, like with keyboards and mice, that that, that is um, maybe not uh, the right input for them, whereas speaking to the Mac will be great. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see what that looks like and what that means for, for a lot of users who, uh, who aren't me. But outside of the people that like need it for accessibility reasons, there kind of isn't a lot of benefit is there like siri is adding some interesting functions like the idea to pin a little piece of information or to search for files in an interesting way but i i really struggle to imagine people using this on a on a regular basis like can you straight up just type these questions in in natural language no and and that's come on that's frustrating to me i want that on ios like cortana has it on a windows phone where you can type to cortana google now or it has like the google now on tap so basically it is aware of what's on the screen i think it's time for siri to move beyond the voice i think that i think voice will always be the primary method of interaction with siri but i would love uh to talk to siri um via my keyboard and just be able to type to it and it, and it retrieves stuff. I have some of that sort of stuff in Alfred. Alfred, you can set keywords and launch scripts and stuff, and it's pretty handy. Um, I have heard that there was, at some point, um, discussion of bringing Siri with the keyboard. I don't know how accurate that that is. That's just something I'd heard. Uh, but it's not, there, it's not there in the release. And I would like to see that across the platforms, that typing to Siri at least be an option because there are times where it would be nice for Siri to do things for me, but I can't, I can't speak out loud or maybe I'm uncomfortable doing that. And, uh, but for now, no, you, you gotta, you gotta sit there and, and press option space and, and talk to your computer. Hmm. That's not good. I mean, it's fine. Uh, but I agree with you. This is not something that I'm going to be using day to day. So the other big bucket is iCloud stuff. And there's, there's a lot of stuff in here. There's continuity features like auto unlock with Apple Watch, which is really nice where you just sit down at your Mac and it unlocks if you're wearing your watch. I've had good luck with this. Other reviewers have not had such good luck with this. I don't, I don't know, really know why, but it works for me. And it's, it's pretty quick. It takes about two seconds. You can definitely uh, catch it working. Like you can see it, the little message comes to unlocking with Apple Watch. And then you get a notification sent to your wrist that, hey, this Mac was unlocked by your watch. 
works fine for me. If, uh, it's actually pretty nice. It does make me really want Touch ID or Apple Watch authentication and more stuff. Like, why can't 1Password use this? Like, I don't have to log into my Mac anymore, but I still have to unlock 1Password. Like, it'd be really nice if Apple opened that up to third parties. But they uh, but they haven't yet, so what are you going to do? Uh, there's, there's stuff, too. There's Universal Clipboard. There's... Um, where you can copy something on your Mac or your iPhone or iPad and the other devices that are in within continuity range so they can see each other on the same network and can talk to each other over Bluetooth, uh, share that, that, that clipboard. Hmm. There's a couple interesting things, interesting design decisions here with Apple. Um, content is only transferred on paste. So if you are, like right now, I'm sitting at my computer, my iPad is at home, my iPhone is with me now. My iPhone and Mac can do this, but if my wife is using my iPad, uh, I'm not going to accidentally paste something that she copied on the iPad because it's not here. So it's designed in a way that, like, you are in control of all your devices, assumedly. You know, you are picking one up and sitting one down. But if that's not the case, you know, they don't want to errantly override your clipboard. All right. So, uh, hang on a second because this is very confusing. So let's say I'm using one of your devices and you've copied something. Mm-hmm. If I've copied something, does it doesn't overwrite what I've copied on on my clipboard, right? Let's say I've copied something, and I paste it in ten minutes time from now. Mm-hmm. What you copy on your clipboard doesn't override what's on mine, right? If I'm using your devices, if you were in the um, if you were in the same, if you were within continuity range, it would override it. It's really design. I don't think there's a a mechanism in place to say. I'm not using my device. You know what would fix that? Multiple users on iPads. Wait, so (laughs) if I've copied something on one device, you've copied Mm -hmm. something on your device, and then 10 minutes later, so after the two minutes have passed, I then can't paste what was copied before. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, That, honestly, I don't know. Because I'm wondering if it just blanks out the the clipboard, which would be weird. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that, but you're right. There is there is a two minute timeout on this, so you're not going to pick up your iPad and hit paste and get something from more than two minutes ago. Like it's really desi- It's really designed for. I'm working on something on my Mac. I pick up my iPad and and to do something with that content. Like it's 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 a feature that re- that is built around the idea of like intentionality. But the the issue with it is that. None of these continuity features was include handoff, which includes the that never works for me, the answering a phone call on your Mac that called your cell phone number. Like there were no settings for these anywhere. Like if you are signed to iCloud and your devices are near each other, this is just happening. And I think things like auto unlocking Universal Clipboard do have certain downsides. I think especially Universal Clipboard, there are going to be people who maybe they can use iCloud at work, but having their clipboard be iCloud be aware of their clipboard may be like a huge security issue for them right that that they are working with confidential data on their computer and iCloud being aware of what's on your clipboard is a problem and so there should be a setting for this and if you know where it is i couldn't even find it like in a p list anywhere like my understanding is if you were signed to iCloud this is on um i hope that's not the case i hope there is an option that i just missed it but my understanding is that this just is on all the time See, what I want is the ability to push something. Not to have it automatically synced. 
So to be like, what I have copied, I want to send it to other devices. Right. And I know why Apple won't do that. Because it's inelegant. Right, and it adds, like, their, their whole idea is that copy and paste, like, even in the keynote, he's like, we use copy and paste every day, so we're going to add this, like, transparent feature on top of it. But I, I agree with you that it would be nice. That's something like like Copied, which is a third-party app, basically did that, where you could send things to Copied on the Mac and then pull them from iOS. And and on iOS, there are several utilities that have, like, multiple pasteboards and stuff. But, yeah, this thing is just, like, always on, and it's... um. Yeah, like people saying to me, I know that these apps exist, but like, you know, I'm not like massively crazy about really having them. Like, I don't, I don't really use stuff like this. But I'm saying, like, if I, you know, my ideal for what this feature would look like would be that, as opposed to just overriding the clipboard, which is a, I don't know, it's just it's just an interesting choice to me. It is. It is. Uh, it's one of those those features that like. Apple designed to work in a very specific way, and if you don't work in that way, you can run into problems. Um, uh, this is also a feature that I had pretty good luck with, but I know like Jason Snell and others have had a lot of problems of it just straight up not working. And so I don't know if there's like bugs going on or there's there's something not quite finished somewhere. But the times that I've used it, I've always been like, oh, I have this thing, and the quickest way to get it to another device is copy and paste. Mm-hmm. Uh, is nice, and I haven't had it do something wrong, but I don't really bounce between my devices very much. Well, when I'm working, I'm just at my Mac. So, um, you know, I'm really more interested to see what Federico thinks about this between, like, the iPhone and the iPad. Like, how, like, because this feature is part of Sierra, but it's part of continuity in 2016. Um, What do you think about this, TG? I think it works most of the time. It would have been nice to have some kind of interface to manage um, what is going on. Because it can be a little strange sometimes. You don't think about it, and you you know your copy and paste uh, overrides what you're doing on another device. Uh, I know that developers can have like settings to exclude their apps from having universal clipboard, and they can set expiration times. But it, I think it'd be nicer to have some kind of visual confirmation of what is going on, or at least a setting to say, "Look, I never want what I copy on this device to propagate across other devices." And it can be especially problematic when, let's say, inside the house, uh, you know, you're using your iPhone and you copy something, and maybe your kid is using your iPad, and you know, it's logged into the same iCloud account. Of course, it's on the same uh, Wi-Fi network, and suddenly, what you copied on the iPhone, which not necessarily you want to be available on the iPad, can be pasted on the iPad. And it's one of the features that works. Uh, it works very well in my in my experience, but. It doesn't scale to the randomness and to, you know, what people do in real life because there's no interface. There's no way to say, look, I never, ever want my photos or what I copy in Safari. You know, the text that I copy and paste, I don't want that to go to my iPad. And there's no, there should be a setting screen for continuity features to say, okay, I want to use this. I want to use that. I don't want to use the clipboard sync. Um, I think it works well in theory, it works well in practice, but it doesn't scale to those times when you don't want your stuff to be available on multiple devices. So I'd never even thought about trying this on my iOS devices. Like I'd kind of forgotten about this feature. And I've just been playing around with it while you're talking. And I mean, it works, but I'm sitting, yeah. I press the paste button and I'm sitting there for five seconds and nothing's happening and then the text pops in. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely a delay associated with it. That's no. I mean, and I know why it's doing it, but like, I don't like that. When you try to paste an image, you get a dialogue on screen saying pasting from iPhone, and you get like a spinner that loads the image over Honestly, the local network. if it's going to make me wait for a few seconds, because as it was for just text then, I want it to do that, because I just pressed paste and nothing, I couldn't do anything. Like, notes just locked up until it pasted. Yeah, I think what it's doing is it's going out... Uh, my guess is if something gets put on the universal clipboard, the devices are aware that something is waiting, but they don't, like I said, they don't pull that content until paste because if the two minute times out, then you've moved data, you don't need to move. Hmm. And so I think what it's doing is going out and checking and that is slow. And in my testing, I've noticed that takes more time and sometimes it's fast. Like, I don't know if there's some scaling issue with iCloud of it. Like sometimes it's busier than other times. Maybe that's a, just a load issue on their end. But that little hesitation is definitely noticeable sometimes where you hit paste and the device is like, uh, BRB, I need to go talk to iCloud and I'll, I'm going to go check and I'll be right back. And it's like, you're trying to pay something. Like you're trying to get work done. It should be it should be instant. Yeah, I mean, and I, say, I know why they're doing it that way. This is a Apple security thing, you know? Like we don't, you know, we gotta, it's got to be secure. So got to hold it up there and then maybe it will come down later, right? That's why they're doing it. But in my opinion, this is another one of those things where the added security makes for a lesser experience. Just saying. I know that upsets I, I think people, I agree. Yep. I don't want to be waiting for five seconds when I press the paste button. Right. I agree. Um, so some of the other iCloud stuff is tied in with storage. So the, sort of the third pillar in Sierra is like optimized storage. And, and that means... It's like a, a term that covers a lot of stuff. And the first one, and probably the biggest one, is iCloud, Drive, Desktop, and Document Sync, which we, we talked about this over the summer. You can go into settings, and you can tell iCloud, store things from Desktop and Documents in iCloud Drive, and sync those to my other devices. So if I make a screenshot, and it goes to my desktop by default in macOS, that screenshot is available after a moment, in iCloud Drive on my iPad and iPhone, and on the desktop of my other Mac. Uh, same thing with your Documents folder. You save a new Pages document or a new PDF in Documents, it gets synced to iCloud Drive, it gets synced to your other Mac. In my testing of this, it does work, right? It, I can make something, uh, put it on my desktop, and I can sync it to my other Mac. It is noticeably slower than Dropbox. Now, Dropbox has a funny trick with LandSync, where if two computers on your Dropbox account are on the same local network, they will copy over the le- over the local network while uploading to Dropbox. Is like a speed it up type thing, which is a great feature. Um, so it is not as fast as Dropbox. It's not something I'm going to turn on because Dropbox is something that like we've talked about many times. I think all three of us basically use Dropbox as our file system to a degree, like any documents I'm working on happen to be in Dropbox. And I'm a single Mac user. I just use a MacBook Pro, but I use Dropbox to have everything on my iOS device and to have a a copy of it in the cloud. So the syncing works, uh, assuming you pay for storage. Where it gets a little weird, though, is some of the edge cases. So, for instance, in your home folder, your desktop and document folders get renamed the local badge. It's like desktop-local. I don't know why they're they're showing you that. Like that seems really unpolished, but that feels like hacking something onto the existing system. And I mean, I expect the Apple file system will solve some of these problems. 
I mean, they they have things in place in Finder for things like Dropbox to do custom badges. Like Apple could have done a custom badge, but instead they stuck dash local at the end of the name. Um, but even more worryingly, this seems to screw with the space that Finder reports you have available, uh, which is really problematic because like Finder not knowing how much space you have left can be a failure of like HFS problems. And so to suddenly introduce something that like screws with Finder's way to uh, report disk space is worrisome. In what way? What's it saying? You've got too much, you've not got enough? Like I don't understand what's telling you. Generally it reports, it under-reports. So if I have... 200 gigs free on my on my local disk and I'm syncing like an 800 meg folder it will go it will overrun that 800 megs and say that I've I have less space than I actually do hmm. it, it tends to, to error on the like sort of safe side but even then like in my testing it's hit or miss like I can't you can't always tell what it's doing which is sort of my problem with it that like all the other iCloud stuff they want it to be transparent and magical but the truth is, when it comes to syncing files, I want to know exactly what's happening. And Dropbox does that with its little badges and its menu bar app, so, and I can tell what's going on. So is it getting ahead of itself, then? Like, is it saying that the 800 megabytes is not there before it pushes it off to the cloud? Yeah, plus some. So it'll, like, round up. It'll add some space to that. So um, it's just a little... a little. It's just not what I expected to see. No, um, no good. This So that's desktop and document sync, right? Pretty straightforward. Where it gets confusing and what I think problematic at best is when you partner this with some optimized storage options. So you can sync your desktop and documents and do no optimized storage stuff where it just keeps everything everywhere all the time, which is fine if you have the disk space. But also in Sierra, and the way that all this is laid out, it makes you think you kind of have to do both, is this optimized storage, which again is a family of features that Apple has put in place to help keep local disk space free. And how it does it is is complicated and potentially confusing to the point of data loss if you're not really paying attention. So optimized storage itself is really only two things. It is the ability to automatically remove watch content from iTunes, right? So you you watch all of Mr. Robot Season 1 in iTunes, and it says, hey, you've watched this stuff. If this option is turned on, iTunes will get rid of your local downloaded files for you automatically. And whenever you want them again, you can just re-download them from the iTunes store. I'm more or less okay with that. I have my iTunes library on a Drobo. I have lots of space. But that's pretty straightforward. Right? We've all done that, right? You delete a movie and it says, hey, you know, you can just go re-download it. That's fine. The other bit of optimized storage says download only recent mail attachments. So if you're like me, I have years of email synced in mail. And it can go in and through some method that it prescribes that I have no control over, it can get rid of old mail attachments. Again, they can be re-downloaded on demand. So these two things, I don't need them, but I'm more or less okay with the way they work. Where it gets confusing is that there's a third option only in iCloud preferences and not in system information. So these settings live in two places on the Mac and the settings differ depending on where you are. Where you run into trouble is a third checkbox called Optimize Mac Storage. And so I'm just going to read this label to you guys because in reading, I think you understand the problem. The full contents of iCloud Drive will be stored on the Mac if you have enough space. Older documents will be stored only in iCloud 
when space is needed. So if you have synced your desktop and documents folder in iCloud, and if you have optimized Mac storage on, what you've done is given iCloud permission to say, I know you put this on your desktop, you're working on this file potentially, but due to some algorithm that only I'm aware of as iCloud and you can't see as a user, I deem that you are running low on disk space. So I'm going to remove this file from your local computer and keep a copy in iCloud for you. So what happens when you get on an airplane and you go to edit a podcast and the the files you had in your documents folder have been synced away by iCloud because it deemed you were out of space. And I have seen, I couldn't make it do this, but I've seen lots of reports. I've talked to a lot of other reviewers who iCloud started removing local files when they had tons of free space left on their disk. Like the idea that, hey, only do this when I have 20 gigs free. Like there's no setting, there's no checkbox. It just does it whenever it deems necessary. And because there's not a lot of visual indication of what's happening, like iCloud doesn't do a pop-up and say, hey, I'm going to remove this folder. Is that okay with you? Because it's magic and transparent, it just does it. And so you can end up in a situation very easily where you're looking for something that is only available in iCloud Drive and your local icon gets grayed out and has a little cloud icon on it and you're stuck without your file. Contrasted, contrast that with Dropbox for a second. With Dropbox, you have the ability to selective sync a folder. So for instance, I have a shared folder with some other people that uh, has you know tons of files in it that I don't want on my local computer, but I need access to them every once in a while. I can... Tell Dropbox, don't put this on my Mac, but leave it in my Dropbox account. I go to the Dropbox website. I download those files on demand. Um, But I have chosen to do that. I went into Dropbox, rather confusing setting panel, and told it, I don't want these files locally. You just keep a copy of them, Dropbox, and I'll get them when I need them. iCloud thinks it's smart enough that it's doing that on its own. And that is my problem with this feature, is that I don't want iCloud to do this. If Dropbox did this, I would turn it off on Dropbox as well. I don't want any service to say, you know what, Stephen, um, I don't think you need this file anymore, so I'm just going to nuke your copy of it, and it'll be in the cloud uh, when you're waiting. You know, if you're always at your Mac and you're always on a good internet connection, you know, sitting in your office, okay. But the reality is most people have notebooks, and most people work in periods of offline or low connectivity. We're not in a all-wireless world. And if you're going to look for a file, it should be where you left it. It should also be on iCloud. But this little optimized Mac storage checkbox is really problematic. And one that I think some people are going to turn on because the, like, the language is helpful. But if you look at it with a critical eye, you look at it from like a nerd perspective, you can see that this is potentially problematic because it's so transparent. Does that, does that all make sense? It does. It does. I, I wonder if like... Mm, we're edge cases and that the majority of people wouldn't get affected when this stuff happens. And the reason I said it is because we work with extremely large files, so it would potentially trigger this optimized storage thing more sooner than others. Um, like just one file can be like a few hundred megs, so it's like, it's oh, this is things are getting chunky around here, I need to remove stuff. <laughs> and I may understand that, and I think too that we may also be educators that we pay for iCloud. I mean, how many people do we know in our lives who turn off iPhone backups because they're out of iCloud space? Good point. Um, but I just I think Apple could do a better job at explaining what's going on if you check that feature, and especially what happens if you check it in conjunction with 
iCloud Desktop and Document Sync. It's the combination of the two that I find problematic. You know, it's it's one thing that if it's just, you're just doing this and you're it's just doing the stuff you put in iCloud Drive directly, maybe that's different. But something out on your desktop or your documents folder feels a little bit different to me as a longtime Mac user that they should be stable repositories of, of data. Whether this becomes a thing, like if people get trapped by this, I, I don't know. But in, in testing and in, in using the Mac for a long time, I find it off-putting that iCloud thinks it knows better than I do when it, what I should do with my disk. What's really frustrating about this is like we are years into the SSD revolution. I don't like this would be a thing we were all on 64 and 128 gig SSDs. But I think the base model is 256 now. Like that's still tight, but it's not so tight that people are I don't think like as squeezed as they used to be. Like this would have been great if this was came out <laughs> with the original MacBook Air. But that was 5 or 6 years ago and now we have bigger SSDs in our machines. We have things like iCloud Photo Library, which, like, I think the the bulk of people, their biggest thing on their computer now is their photo library. Even bigger than music collections, we're all streaming now. Well, youngsters are streaming now, not me. And so it just it feels like a like a feature that had been really nice four years ago, but it's out now and it's not implemented in a way that I think makes complete sense to the average user. It's a couple of points. I think one, uh, it's not supposed to, right? Like that's the, the thinking. The thinking is it will work, right? So they they make it as simple as possible. Um, so the average user doesn't have to worry about it. Like that's the idea. Whether it works or not, like, you know, it, clearly there are some issues, but I think that's the thinking. Yeah, I'm interested, what is the onboarding process for this? How does it get enabled? Um, does it happen automatically? Does the system tell you? So prompt you, right? So so I I don't know if you so I don't know if you run low in disk space like if you fill up your SSD if it says hey by the way we have this option I I, I don't know that um, this setting is in the iCloud preference pane where a lot of this other stuff lives in system information which is like this weird utility that is a hundred years old that they've grafted all this stuff into when you do click the option it does give you another box basically restating what the first box said. But I don't know if it's clear enough, um, and I think they could oh, do a better job. Somebody has at, to actually go in and click this, right? Like, see, it, I, I, it was off for me by default, but I right. upgraded from El Capitan. I don't know if on a clean install what it's set to. Okay. Um, hopefully off, but I didn't have time to like wipe a Mac completely from scratch. Okay. I mean, this just sounds like one of those things that I'm just never going to use. Oh yeah, it's all off for me. Like none of the stuff I'm using. Hmm. There you go. I, I I just you know I wonder I wonder like if it's useful for people. Like it might be. I'm sure it is if it works fine. Right. Yeah. The idea of letting you have potentially with the right amount of money infinite disk space. You know, like you there's there's a ton more disk space that you can get a hold of here, uh, and it's all saved nice and neatly in the cloud. But it takes a lot of really really smart stuff to work out what files you need and what files you don't um and i mean i just from hearing people talk about it it sounds like it's got some smarts but it's not smart enough and i wonder if anything really could be to like yeah. anticipate exactly the files that you need on a given day right anything else you want to talk about with sierra um i mean there's some other little stuff we won't get in now there's some more 
optimized storage stuff. Like it, can, it can empty your trash automatically for you. There's a new feature called Reduce Clutter where it lists all your biggest documents. And like, hey, you may have forgotten this was buried in a folder. Do you still need it? That sort of thing. Kind of like mm-hmm. Daisy Disk. I think Apple Sherlock Daisy Disk in the way that reading lists Sherlock Instapaper. Like this is a very simple, blunt tool where Daisy Disk is very fine-grained and quite frankly, like beautiful application. So I think Daisy Disk will be fine. I don't think they're they're in trouble. I think all in all, my impression of Sierra is complicated. Like I understand completely there's a 15-year-old system getting annual updates. And as such, these updates are going to be small and incremental. And I am, uh, hand on heart, truly okay with that. I want my, my Mac, my workhorse to be stable and to be secure and to be fast and for big upendings to not happen very often. I think that if, you know, I was trying to think if they weren't going annual, if Apple was doing a release every two or three years, where would we be? So we would have Yosemite with the redesign. And we if El Capitan and Sierra were one release, it'd be still only a moderately sized Mac OS release. So I'm fine with that. I'm fine with it. I'm not in love with it. It's annual, but it's going to be annual. I'm fine with it being small. Um, and Sierra is stable and it is fast uh, on my MacBook Pro as well as the first generation Retina MacBook that I have access to. Completely usable. Um, so thumbs up there for Apple for Sierra being responsive and being like there's a lot of polish in small areas that if you use the Mac a lot, you'll notice. Like the uh, when you copy a big file in Finder, the the feedback of like how much copying left to do has been updated in a nice visual way. All that's great. However, as a Mac Power user, ding, I feel a little bit left out of this release that the continuity stuff is fine. Like I like, I actually really like auto unlock. Um, I like the universal clipboard when it works, but the big bucket features of, of Siri and optimized storage, I have, I have very little interest in. I have no interest in the optimized storage stuff. And I feel a little bit forgotten by Sierra. I feel like it's a release for people who are really interested in their Mac and, and iOS devices working better together. And for me, they work great together already. And the things I need to do get done. And I don't have storage space problems. And I understand like that's because I bought a big expensive computer with a big expensive SSD. Like I understand part of this is like the privilege of, of me as a Mac power user. But as someone sitting in that seat, like a lot of our listeners are, I feel like Sierra doesn't offer much to me. And, you know, I've updated to it. I'm going to run it. You, sh- you should go out and download it and run it and make sure all your stuff's compatible and have a backup. But Sierra's a great release. But just know there's a lot of stuff in there that's not for you and not for me. And um, I just don't think there's anything left. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that's part of it too, right? That it's a very stable platform. Like, so I was trying to think, like, if I was in charge of, a, of the next Mac OS release, what would I put in it? And honestly, guys, I don't know. Like... There's no low-hanging fruit left on the Mac, really, that I can think of. And maybe feedback will point to things out that should be obvious to us. But the Mac feels really good. And I'm not saying walk away from it. I'm not saying cease development. There are things you could do, like make it easier to port UIKit apps to it, make it easier to, to, to do things like in messages, like make messages work with iOS. We didn't even talk about that. We can do it next week. Um, messages on the Mac is a really sad situation compared to iOS. There's still stuff to be done. But it feels like the things they selected for this release, a lot of people who consider themselves power users just aren't going to care about and aren't going to need. And that, that does make me feel a little left out. Just an episode of sadness for you, really. 
It's been a it's been a lot of me on the show. So. An emotional week for Stephen Hackers. A I, real I, I was finishing this with you while taking YouTube video counts. It's a very busy yeah. weekend. Very busy. If you want to find show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 109. You can find uh, a plethora of interesting things and sadness over at Stephen's website at 512pixels.net. And he is at ISMH on Twitter. And what are you, 512pixels on YouTube for all the uh, breaking, breaking iPhone things? That's right. Breaking news about things that break. 512pixels. You can get everything that you need there, all of your... uh, Hissing updates they will be published there. I'm sorry. Uh, and over at maxstories.net is where you'll find Federico's work. He is also at Vitici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, FreshBooks and Cricket. And as always, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios. I was really hoping that you were going to go like adios or something.